This message comes from NPR sponsor, Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hey, I'm Kelly McEvers, and this is Embedded from NPR. One year ago, in Buffalo, New York, a white man drove three hours from where he lived and went to a supermarket in a mostly black neighborhood, specifically because it was a black neighborhood. There he killed 10 people and injured three more people. And not far from the supermarket is a gym where kids, mostly black girls, learn competitive cheerleading and dance. The gym is not where the shooting happened, but that's the thing about mass shootings. They don't just affect people who were there. They affect everybody in the community. So we followed the girls and their mothers and their coaches for a year. And now they are going to tell their story. We're only using first names for most of the people in the story. Because what happened last year made them really scared. And they didn't want us to use their full names. Nakaya McCann, who is 19, will be your host for this series. And she takes the story from here. My cheer journey started very early. I wasn't as tall then. Just two little pigtails, two puff balls. I had like the biggest knockers in my hair. They're like little balls that you loop around your hair. Like it was yellow and it had smiley faces on them. Those were my go-to knockers. I cheered for a little rec team, which is basic skills like a roll and potentially a cartwheel. But I just wanted to tumble and like jump around and have, you know, fun with other girls until I slowly started getting into it more seriously. I didn't know nothing about the chair world at all. So my mom started researching gyms that we could go to that were affordable. And that's why we found this small gym on the east side. It wasn't even a gym, honestly. It was like an after-school program where kids like do their homework. You could tell it was kids in there because, like, the walls were dirty. You know, if you have cousins and they, like, smear their hands on the wall, that's exactly what it looked like. Despite all of that, there was still an All-Star team there. It was called Buffalo All-Star Extreme, but for short, we call it BASE. I remember, like, walking in, and the door was so heavy, it, like, immediately slammed. And, like, a random woman with red lipstick, short haircut, like, mohawk haircut. She was like, oh, my God, what are you doing? One, three, jump, five, grab seven. She was directing kids around. One, squeeze. And she had on these red hoop earrings, and they were, like, bedazzled, too, with a bedazzled bow. I'm like, this lady just bedazzled all the way down. I was a tall, lanky girl, didn't know anything, feeling like, do I really belong here, (laughs) or should I just go? Your attitude gotta go, sis. It's gotta go. Y'all wanna win? That lady became my coach. Do you remember, like, when I first came to base? You? Yeah. Yeah, Like our first season. So what do you remember? That you didn't have, that you had a big head. <laughs> a little bitty body and a big head. Her name is Ayana Williams Gaines, also known as Coach Yanni, but I call her Auntie Yanni. 
The reason why I do bass today is because of y'all. Yeah. My beautiful brown kids, like that's what it is. Like I feel like, you know, those are my kids. Let's welcome Buffalo All-Star Extreme Superheroes for Small Youth Level 2. I was one of Coach Yanni's first brown girls. But now she has hundreds of brown girls just like me to cater to. If you don't know what, you know, competitive or all-star cheer is, it is not girls cheering on the sidelines. It's actually a team full of girls that cheer for themselves and compete against teams all over. When you're at a cheer competition, you see them, like, flipping and their legs are up in the air. You'll also see girls doing a pyramid. Think of, like, smushing every person on the team together to make one big cheerleader. It kind of feels like a a roller coaster, but instead you're not moving. You're watching everybody else move. When you're a cheerleader, you always have to have that fierce look. You always have to have that fierce attitude. You know, you never want to show any sign of weakness. You need confidence in yourself, but it really comes from your team. In case you haven't put the puzzle pieces together, we are not typical in the chair world at all. We get stares, we get looks, we get, you know, smart remarks. Oh, here comes the black girls. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the black like, gym. Yeah. I hated that. And like they would say on our score sheet, like our moves were, were like too over the top. Sexual. We're just dancing we were like the way too we much dance. hips and too much face. And all-star chair world is pretty much like it's a white girl world. So they're Something used to seeing yeah. stick figures. We're not going to move the same. Yeah. There was competitions where we heard people say black girls should not be on the mat. And then, you know, like with us, all of us being black girls, our confidence started going down because of that. Like I was, my confidence I as like a cheerleader and like a person, I was like, bro, I do not want to. You want to be here. I don't want to be here, one. And it was like, I don't want to be a black girl. Even with the head turns and the the remarks from adults and judges and kids, my coaches and our parents made sure that we felt welcome. We heard it so much that I became a shield. Like, I'm not about to let y'all go out there without me. You made us believe that small black girls, oh. like, just us. Yeah. Like, you make us feel like top tier. Y'all are so dope. so top tier. We were always safe. Whether we were safe because our cheer coaches were protecting us or our moms were protecting us, we knew that at the end of the day, we were safe from anything until until a year ago. A year ago, a white man came to our community and shot our people. Our gym is three blocks away. I was scared. Like, I can't protect you. Not only did we lose our people, but we lost a lot of other things as well. To understand what we lost, you have to know about my little chair gym on the east side of Buffalo. What do you think about this whole recording thing? Is this like... Weird. I'm still nervous about all of this stuff. It's your first 
I am Nakia McCann, a OG of Buffalo All-Star Extreme, and this is our story. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in the day, how would you use it? BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you figure out what's most important to you so you can prioritize it. Learn to make time for what makes you happy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com NPR today to get 10% off your first month. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, hosts Lizanne Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, along with their guests, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around stocks, fixed income, the economy, and more. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Healthy Spaces podcast by Train Technologies. Did you know that 99% of the global population breathes unhealthy air? Hear how technology can make people's lives healthier and happier. Listen on your favorite podcast platform. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. If you're looking for a new way to support this show and public media, please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free listening and bonus episodes from NPR shows like this one. You can find out more at plus.npr.org. Yeah, let's go. So now we're going into base. I wonder if my auntie here. Okay, so hi, I'm Nakaya. Hi, guys. I am in college now. Hi, Auntie Yanni. Even though my time on the Met is done, I do my share with these babies. I call them my babies. I'm trying to tell you if I see flex feet next competition, because you always have your feet flexed. Ever since you was little, like ever since you first started cheering. Base started at a tiny rec center and has now expanded to a huge gym with over 10 cheer teams. Where's those cheer shoes? The kids definitely range from about like four all the way up until senior year. Coach Yanni calls me Sunshine. Auntie Yanni now coaches the youth team. My nickname is KK. My cheer name? Susie. Cupcake. My other nickname is Mike's daughter because my dad's name is Mike. Five, six, seven, move one, three. I said don't bend. Go You're going to hear a lot of voices throughout this. You know that was you, Mike's daughter. But there's a couple people I want you to remember. Keep your shoulders up. Like Milani. Hi, I'm Milani. Everybody calls me Lani. A.K.A. Hamster. My nickname today is still Hamster because all I did was roll. Everybody else had a cartwheel around off me. I was like, I'm not doing that, Kochani. I'm doing a roll. She also has the pleasure of having my mom as her coach. You're also going to hear Nysera. This is Nysera. The one that says, hi, guys. Hi, guys. Milani and Nysera even did their own recording. Hello. Hi. What's up? This is Lani. These girls have their own cheer pictures, their trophies, their medals. So, 
Welcome to my presentation. I have my first medal. It is white and blue, and it says the one. Nysera is 11 now. These are the ones that I got for standing out like myself. So I got the win. Hurry up. Lakeisha is Nysera and Cupcake's mom. Y'all running late. Yes, you are. Lakeisha is always at every competition. For the elite cheerleaders, I don't know what the new team name is this year. And she makes sure yeah. that our videos are My videos. perfectly recorded. <laughs> this is how they looked at the end. As you see, it's full of energy. A lot of smiles, a lot of jumps. And there's her uniform. A dazzling blue skirt with red stripes along the side with rhinestones, shimmer. Put your hair back in the point, so let's go. A role of a base chair mom. Put your jackets on, ladies. I've seen them literally not only take care of their kids and their teams, but they also provide that stability for the other kids. Everybody put your seatbelt on. Where's everybody's lipstick? Where's everybody's uniform? You know, I have enough snacks, so. Well, let me just say, my life is. revolves around y'all, but there has got to be some time for me. Like, I couldn't even have five minutes in the bathroom to myself. One weekend, we in New Jersey. The following weekend, we in PA. The following So our cheer moms are definitely, they're definitely like the stem. And the cheerleaders, to me, are the flower. Hello. I don't want to go to practice. You got to go give it all you got. Don't complain. Hello. Leave it on the floor. Hello. Not to leave it on the floor. A year ago, we were getting ready for our new cheer season. And May 14th, that was the registration day. It's a whole day dedicated to the cheerleaders to find out what team that they're going to be placed on, meet their coaches. And Yanni always makes it interesting, like pop balloons to find out what team they're on. So it was definitely set up to be a good energy-filled day with, you know, smiles, laughter, you know, talking and laughing with coaches and old veterans. But that day slowly flipped upside down. Yeah. I had just came back from college. And that morning, my granddad called my mom and asked if on the way to base, can we stop at Tops and get him a watermelon? Hey, could you go to the Tops on Jefferson and get me a watermelon? My mom remembers every detail about that day. Like For some reason, they get like the best watermelon. So, so I was like, yeah, I'll get it. We'll go to base and then get the watermelon. And then like, never mind. I said, we'll go to Tops first. Usually, I will go down like Fillmore and cut up Utica to go to Tops. And I passed it. So I'm like, mom, we're going to Tops. Like, why are you missing your turn? So, like, I ended up going down Delavan to Jefferson. And I missed Jefferson. And I said, what the heck? She basically, like, goes around and she missed it again. So I'm like, now you're missing the turn twice. So then I turned down Main Street and I cut up Maston. And then I was just going to cut over to go to Tops. And as soon as, like, we got there, it was this, like, mayhem. You can hear, like, people in a parking lot screaming. And I was like, what is going on? So I'm like, whatever happened, we'll just have to go later. So then I, I passed Tops to go to base. And as soon as we pulled up at base, um, 
another coach came out and like had tears and she was like, there was a mass shooting at Tops. That's how we found out. Kaya looked at me and she was like, we were supposed to be there. I would have been in Tops and she would have been in the car. If I would have died in there, like she would have been alone, like in this car, like by herself. For the first time, like I felt like somebody just like squeezed my heart and was just like, it was shock. When it first happened, we definitely did feel like, okay, we could be potentially targets, so let's lock the gym door and make sure that everybody was inside that chair gym. We did lock the doors because we didn't know what was happening, and you can hear, like, just sirens from every direction. We had the big windows, and, like, just looking out. I think I've seen every police car that the city of Buffalo ever had. And it's like, you know, as adults, we're, like, trying to calm these kids down. Like, no, like, you know, something happened. We don't really know, but we're all fine. We're all safe. But in the back of our minds, knowing, like, are we safe? I was stone cold speechless. Like, we're two and a half blocks away, three blocks away. Like, what am I supposed to do? I could say that that was the first time I ever saw Auntie Yanni not know what to do. I was literally like, God, I cannot protect these kids. I went home that night and I didn't even want to touch my phone, honestly. It seemed like everywhere I turned, my phone was flooded with what happened. And I couldn't sleep. Like, nothing made sense. But I do remember, like, texting my mom and asking her, like, hey, are you up? It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And she was like, wow, like, I never thought that this would happen. I think after the Tops incident is when she really started to put two and two together, how segregated the city of Buffalo really is. It is segregated. And she was like, and how segregated is that that he would know to go to that Tops? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I just keep thinking about, do you think something like this will happen again? Do you think that, like, what about, like, base? Like, she was like, that's a predominantly black cheer and dance company. She was like, what about that? Like, is it safe? I mean, she was crying, and I was just like, you know, I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish I knew in that moment to say, like, oh, you know, it was just this, and everything's going to be okay, and then, like, you know, we'll have a vigil, and we'll volunteer down there, and we'll feel 100% better. And that's not reality. And she was like, Mom, that's like the scariest thing of everything. How do you not know? I said, because I don't know. I don't know, Kaya. I said, I'm sorry, but I don't know. And she was like, okay. When something like the Tops Massacre happens, it's not just one big blob of emotions, you know, automatic sadness. Like, for example, Coach Yanni, um, it, it takes her a long time to come to terms with a lot of things emotionally. Like, she's the CEO, and she's also a coach. So I feel in this time, when the Tops Massacre happened, it really it really took her a long time to come to terms with it. I'm like, seeing the tears from other people, and I'm like, oh, 
Wow. And I still didn't get it. I don't even know how I got home. Auntie Yanni lives in the suburbs. Nicer houses. You could play in the backyard, the front yard. She's also one of the only Black families in her neighborhood. I've never been uncomfortable, ever, ever. In 20 years, I've lived in the suburbs. But that day... I remember me and my fiancé saying we have to go to the store, and everything made me jump. Every white person made me jump. Anybody in fatigue made me jump, and I'm like, I'm not okay. She didn't realize how big of an impact it would have on her emotions and then also the emotions of the coaches, emotions of parents. The next day, she also had a fundraiser. I remember someone asked me, are you going to cancel the banquet? I'm like, hell no, I'm not canceling the banquet. And I, one of the, Daryl comes up to me, which is my fiance. He goes, um, I just asked this guy, was he okay? Because he looked like he was down. And he goes, no, my mom just got killed. I go, just like that? Because, yeah, he was like, but he said it was yesterday. And I'm like, oh. And then it happened again. Someone was leaving early. I go, why are you leaving so early? And she goes, oh, um, her uncle got, he was part of the Jefferson 14ers. I was like, huh? And then I found out more and more and more. And I'm like, why are so many of my kids affected? Duh, Ayana, your gym is one for 209. He did his research on the entire zip code, and we are a part of that. Everyone in that community is who I served, and that was their tops, that was their grandparents, that was their cousins. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I, I don't know why it took me so long to get it, but then at that very moment, I just, I just started crying. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, why did I host this banquet? Why did I do this? Like, I should have canceled. People had to sit at funerals and watch people get buried into the ground. Nicera lost one of her great aunts. I did not want to go to the funeral. I did not want to go. Like, I didn't think I really wanted to see her body inside of a casket. I didn't have to go through that. My mom didn't want me to go through that. So she didn't, she didn't take me to the funeral because I told her I was scared. That's been the priority for the last year is just making my children feel safe. I struggled. You know, getting out the house for a minute, I struggled with a little bit of depression, but it was only because I was thinking about it. And in actuality, I wasn't the victim. It was like, you got to move on. You got to, you just got to be better and, and hope that this doesn't happen again. I think the hardest part of of being a chair mom and a base mom and just a mom in general was knowing that they couldn't protect us, you know, their daughters. They couldn't do anything to stop what was going on. It felt like I was being pushed between two pillows sometime. Cupcake was on one side clinging onto her. She held my hand everywhere just like nice Sarah did. She was basically smushed in the middle trying to protect and comfort them both at the same time. I was like, oh my God, please stop, because I'm, I can't deal either, and I'm trying to hold it together so y'all can hold it together, and I'm not trying to show no weakness because I'm a mom, and you know, we got feelings, and you don't want your kids to see you at your weakest moment, and that day, kind of like I said, it, 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 it just, it took a lot. It took a lot. I still, um, I still try to remain strong. 
I never want my kids to see me cry. I'm sorry. I don't get emotional because my mom is so tough and my dad is so tough. It's like together buff. Mommy know what buffed me, that's why she laughed. Other people have lost way more than me. So even though I had the right to feel bad, you can't you can't say that you're so angry at all this and all that when you weren't the one who got shot. Even if you feel like you weren't close to it or you, you weren't there, you didn't lose anybody. Kid-wise, I feel like we all have something that we lost in common. We know the word is not lollipops and gumdrops. In our city, we know it's not. But the lollipops and gumdrops that we did have came crashing down that day. I've never been somewhere where, like, people are literally racist. Like, they go and say, I don't like you. I'm going to shoot you because you're black. I'm sure Nysera saw things that she should not have seen or been exposed to. And she was only 10 at the time. He was going live on Twitch. He was video recording it. It was just crazy to hear that what I was seeing that was graphic to me that kids below me were also seeing that were very, very graphic to them. He had army stuff on and every and some people were looking thinking that that was the army and didn't realize that they were about to die. They were sitting down saying, please don't shoot me. And he, he just walked around and shot all the black people. The Monday after the massacre happened, Nicira, amongst a lot of other girls, they saw the world definitely in that black and white. We came off of our bus, and we just, everybody, every black kid on the bus was just looking out the window, and everybody was out there with Black Lives Matter shirts. It made it feel like now y'all want to support us because people dying. We go up to our classroom. Everyone's talking about it, and our teacher asks for us not to talk about it. Now... One kid literally, like, they get up from their seat and walks out the classroom, and the teacher asks us what's wrong, and someone was like, they lost their grandma. And then somebody else said, how do you expect us to not speak about it? There were a lot of Buffalo kids that got into fights and arguments that week. I think she was trying to make people feel better, and I told the teacher, I was not trying to be rude in any way, but I told her, don't get mad at me because I'm speaking facts because you don't know what happened. And I got in trouble, but I didn't care because I was standing up for the black people because she wasn't the one who went into a Topps Market, got her head shot open, got shot in their stomach, wasn't laying down. A week after the massacre, I asked Auntie Annie if I can do like some type of prayer circle or even just a sit-down circle with, with some of the girls. And I was just like, if we can get them in the gym, sure. We didn't think anybody would come back to the gym because, you know, how close we were. I just put it in the Facebook group that 
I'm about to have a circle. If anybody wants to come and talk, it, it's not mandatory. But I want you guys to know that somebody is here. You could say one word and leave. You could get a hug and leave. It, it Just come. So she got him in the gym. You felt the the elephant in the room before it was even in the room, like before it even walked in. I just started with an icebreaker, which was give me two or three words on how you're feeling right now. Someone said upset. I said angry. Someone said sad. We just went around. Somebody said their mom had to go fill up the gas pump and they was crying because anybody could just pull up to a gas station and just... Then I asked them to like go deeper with me. We started to talk and Nakaya, she asked us what happened. I ended up asking like a nine-year-old, do you know what's going on? And and she gave me the most blunt answer, which was, yeah, I know what's going on. A white man came and shot my people. I mostly talked half of the time. Because I had a lot of feelings. Christina is also a vet. Even though she is younger, she's, she still has been with basically the same amount of time that I have. But she's always been quiet. When we had this circle, how did that make you feel? I feel like, yes, somebody's finally talked to us. That shows us, yes, we will be fun. We will be okay. We are family here at base. I like the answer. I, I really do. Most of Chrissy's questions were... Um, questions at the time that I couldn't answer. Like, why us? Like, why here? I was telling her, like, he wanted to kill as many black people as he could. And she just was just like, I don't, I still don't understand. Why don't they see what we see, which is a normal person? And it's been rough since then. I'm scared to go to school. Now schools are getting threats like, oh, yeah, I'm coming up tomorrow and I'm doing this, this, and this. It was a thousand of, of cubs last year at our school. I was like, Mom, pick me up. I'm so scared. I don't want to walk in. She's like, sweetie, try not to think about it. Just have a regular day. I said, Mom, regular day. What's a regular day for us? Be somebody who already blew up tops. They didn't directly express that they were afraid of being there. But they did say, like, you know, we're so close. You know, I didn't want him to come here. It's only two blocks down from where it happened. That's the glass. You can see the trophies. You can see the locker. You can see who goes up to their locker. These tall windows, no tent, so you can see directly through. You can see almost kind of everything. I don't think those windows were bulletproof. I don't think they were. And from the back, you could just come in and just start shooting. Anyone could die. It could be a snap and you're dead. After the circle, that was pretty much everybody's last day and last, you know, hurrah in the cheer gym on Main Street. I see her walked up to me and she said, Kochiani, are we getting a different gym? Because I don't want to go back there. And I'm like, nah, what do you mean you don't want to go there? She said, it is not safe. I didn't see that gym again, no. I didn't go back. Stay tuned. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. 
It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Bluehost introducing Wondersuite. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few questions and get a unique, customizable WordPress website or store right away. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. There's a new way to support this show and public media. Please consider signing up for the NPR Plus podcast bundle. NPR Plus listeners get to unlock sponsor-free shows and bonus episodes. You can find out more at plus.npr.org. And thanks. If you were to go back to the gym on Main Street and to put your head to the glass, it's wiped clean. There's nothing there. You usually would look through the window. You would see thousands of trophies. You don't see that anymore. (laughs) There was something lost here. That's how I feel when I go past it. If you really want to understand why Main Street was so important to us, you have to understand the beginning before base was base. And you need to know the relationship between Auntie Yanni and the woman that she started base with. Her niece. Not me, but her actual niece. So my daughter was cheering for a suburban gym and her children were cheering for a suburban gym. This is way before Yanni became a coach. And one day they were competing at the same facility, and we looked at each other and bust out laughing. And we literally were like, dude, we're the Oreos. (laughs) We're the only black people here. They were super close in age, and they they were always close. So we just, like, laughed about it forever, like, laughed. And then she said, we should start our own cheer gym. And I'm like, girl, you're crazy as hell. You know how much money that's going to cost? It seemed like every time that Yanni said no, Lani just came back with a poke. Like, auntie, please, let's do it, let's do it. Like an agitating little sister. And I'm like, fine, we'll do it. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One. We started in the community center. The rec center that had the kid handprints across the walls. That's where it all started. That was in June, June 25th, 2013. Exactly where I started my cheer career with base. We didn't even have mats. Remember, we, oh, yeah, them little we blue, had the blue, little blue slippery mats. <laughs> we didn't have no equipment. Oh, my God, it was a hot mess. <laughs> Weeks later, Coach Yanni ended up getting a call that Lanice had passed. Her friend called me screaming, and she's like, um, Lanice was just stabbed. She died. She was gone. Base started with two people with a dream. And then 
the two people with a dream became one person. I was like, I got to go. I can't do it. Like, yeah, I didn't want to do this anyways. But then the kids, the Milanis, the Christinas, my kids, her kids were like, you don't have a choice. The athletes jumped down her throat was just like, yeah, like, open. We want to cheer. We want bass. Let's go. Her passing was publicized on the news and it was tied to Buffalo All-Star Extreme. So it's, it's kind of like everybody was kind of already looking at us that we were the only black team. And then now they're looking at us as like the only black team that has, like I'm going to say, trauma. We had to compete in our first competition with T-shirts and like shorts because our uniforms didn't come in on time. I still got mine, but mine is wrinkled and it's like the letters are coming off. Bro, I got them ugly blue stuff. If you see any OGs like a Milani or a me, they'll, they'll break down this story for you. I have the shorts, the bows, all that. I have every memory of Bates. Like, I have every single memory. All I need to hear you talk about that memory, and that thing will pop back into my brain. I don't know nothing about cheer. You look crazy. And we won first place. We didn't compete against, like, heavy hitters, like, real all-star teams, but we competed at the end of the day. That, that's what was important to us. I think it gave us a sense of... Y'all are made for this. The big step for bass was back in 2016 when we finally moved to Main Street and became an actual gym. Five, six, seven, eight, one, three, five, seven, eight, one. We built everything in there. Like the OGs, we ended up putting on the spring floor. We painted the walls, we painted the base sign. When somebody says, oh, like I built my home from the ground up, that's how we built base. Oh my God. It was yeah. the hardest thing to do, but it was the best. Yeah. We really <laughs> made it. We really made it. Like we don't have to roll the mats up and worry about like, okay, if we come in here, it might be like juice spilled on the floor. Like we have a gym. We really have a gym. Yo, this is our this is our home. It just gave us that that sense of, yeah, girl, you made it. We had the Main Street Gym for about six good years until May 14th, 2022. Mm -mm. That was it. I didn't want to be there. I even had to have people go get the stuff. Like, you have to move everything and put it in storage. I'm not going. I don't want to go. Like, okay. You made that split decision like, no, up and move. And my mom was like, yeah, like, this is really happening. And I'm like, we getting a new gym? She's like, yeah, we have to get a new gym. Auntie Yanni knew a warehouse that we could turn into our new home. I was like, there's no way we can afford it. We charge 50% less than what everyone else charges. Actually, more than 50% less. There's no way we can afford it. She went ahead and signed the lease anyway. But you can't just pick up a gym and open a new one in a week. It was a huge warehouse. Like, everything had to be renovated and knocked out, and the gym was not ready for us to move in. So we had to go back to square one, which was the rec center where base started. What are you doing? We were in a community center. Again, like, really? And I felt so bad. Like, every day, I was just like, oh, I got to get them out of here. Like, how do we prepare all-star elite teams on a hardwood floor with two mats. 
I'm like, oh, we need a home. Like, we got to go. The gym just wasn't ready. We couldn't get into it. So, no, 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 no. After you've built something so powerful, just to go back to square one, I feel like we felt defeated. We let somebody win. I, I felt like, you know what? Somebody took something from me. I bust my ass for so long to give them this, and you took it from me. Well, it wasn't taken. I just felt like it was taken. Literally, they, he, it, whatever, took the feeling of being safe away. I went back to school in September. I was getting the cause of the gym wasn't ready. And you know the girls still don't have choreography, right? Then it's, you know, October again. The gym's still not open. At that point, I was like, should I fly home or something? Like, what should I do? Because y'all acting like we don't have a season. Then I'm asking my mom, like, you know, how's everybody with the mass shooting? How was everybody feeling with that? She was just like, I don't know. Like, nobody showed up today. Sometimes in our minds, we for, not, not forgot, but it's just like, okay, like, it's practice. Like, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're just expecting them to pick up and move on. And it's like, they're hurting. Like, okay, wow. One of our dancers was at the shooting. If she hears a certain sound, like a loud boom, like if the door shuts, like they were in dance and the door, like slam, boom. And she just screamed and no one else knew why. Of course, I'm looking at her like, I know why. Can you imagine? Interior talk to, no matter what happens behind, in front of you, you must smile at all times. And you must keep that preppy look of being happy and, and that high smile and the high eyes and, you know, might get a tongue stuck out or whatever. But you can't go out and put on a show if you're not confident in your mind. You can't act happy if you're not. I told my mom, when they go on that stage, pray over them as their mental matters. Pray over their well-being. So what you're looking at now is a bunch of cardboard, nails, screws. After five long months of not having a gym, at the very end of October, we finally were getting ready for our grand opening. We're calling it Big Base. But the night before... Antiani was still scrambling around. Oh, we got a lot to do. Okay. Nothing was ready. Let me start working. Yanni and Daryl, with a couple other chair moms, they were running around. Trophies. I don't know where we're going to put them. We just got to put them somewhere. Get stuff hung up. I want to get rid of trophies. Get stuff set up. Um, no, we're going to be here all night. <laughs> That's definitely my aunt. She'll be like, oh, like, I have a brush in the car. Let me just go brush my hair up real quick because I've been here all night. No, honey. That, that, low, that right there... Has to go up over there. Even though nothing was ready, Asiani was determined to get the gym open because my co-founder, it's her birthday. The opening day was also her niece's birthday. Our first grand opening of our old facility was on her birthday, so I'm just keeping that tradition. What is this? <laughs> oh my god! There's no instructions. Maybe I have it upside down, probably. Oh boy, I just got depressed. <laughs> I think I just got nervous. Hi, this is Lonnie, a.k.a. Hamster. And sometimes, yeah, it's hard. And yeah, you want to give up. 
and yeah, you want to quit, and yeah, you want to scream, and yeah, you want to holler, and yeah, you might we might have had a rough start, but we're getting stronger and stronger each and every practice. Okay, hi guys, it's been a long time since we talked, so right now, well, I'm going to do my homework, and I'm going to do this podcast, and then the exciting base opening, um, cut the ribbon with the big scissors and everything and the pizzazz and we're gonna have a new gym it's gonna be all worth it so basically um i'm gonna get ready and you guys are gonna get ready with me mom do i have to wear jeans on the next episode of buffalo extreme competition season begins Hi, guys. The girls take us to practice. One, two, three, four, five, six. It looks terrible. Our timing is terrible. Two sisters bring us into their therapy sessions. She was crying. She was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And they take us to the stage. Let's go, guys. Y'all got it. That's next time. This episode of Buffalo Extreme was reported by Marianne McCune with Nakia McCann. It was produced by Marianne McCune and Dan Germa with help from Abby Wendell. It was edited by Vera Lynn Williams and Katie Simon. We had production support from Nick Nevis. Our team also includes Raina Cohen and Andrew Mambo. Our project manager is Lindsay McKenna. Josh Newell mixed the episode. The episode featured local Buffalo music projects from Jarrell Lanos, a.k.a. Pro Social, and Stephen Vitiello, and Superheroes by Mike Vandermaus. Cheer Mix-A-Lot. Visit our website for a full list. Our host is Nakia McCann. Our supervising producer is Liana Simstrom. Katie Simon is the supervising editor for Embedded. Irene Noguchi is the Enterprise Storytelling Unit's executive producer. Anya Grundman is NPR's Senior Vice President for Programming and Audience Development. Thank you to the team members and families of BASE who shared their stories with us and made recordings along the way. Special thanks to Nakaya's friend Bree and to Dina Weinstein for tape syncs and to Hannah Rosen. The series will publish every other week through mid-June. To hear bonus episodes, sign up for Embedded Plus at plus.npr.org slash embedded or find the Embedded channel in Apple. You will be supporting our work by doing so. Thank you very much. And you will get to listen to the entire season sponsor-free. That is plus.npr.org slash embedded. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Amgen, a biotechnology pioneer leading the fight against the world's toughest diseases such as cancer, heart disease, asthma, and osteoporosis. In a new era of human health, Amgen continues to accelerate the pace of change, operating sustainably and drawing upon deep knowledge of science to push beyond what's known today. With each decade, they reliably deliver powerful new therapies to patients. Learn more at Amgen.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from MSNBC. This Black History Month, join Tremaine Lee as he asks, what if millions of black Americans had been repaid for slavery? Into America presents Uncounted Millions, the power of reparations. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.